Good morning, everyone. I'd invite you to join us as we begin to worship. Please stand. What a wonderful day. 
our announcements today. Uh, January 20th at two o'clock, there will be a baby shower for Bethany at the church. And on January 21st, uh, following church, there'll be a potluck and bridal shower for Calvin and Sarah. Uh, is there any more announcements? Nope. All right, our call to worship today comes from Psalms 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Will you bow with me, please? Dear God, I just pray that you be with us this week in whatever endeavors we take and just heal us in uh, whatever we, sickness we have and just be with us today in worship. Amen.
like to stand for the last two songs you may
we haven't done this song in quite a few years, so feel free to sing with us. If not, just quietly stand there and worship with us.
be seated. Our scripture reading for today comes from Acts 3, verses 1 to 11, and I'll be reading from the NIV version. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Well, good morning. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer this morning. Uh, there's not a lot in the bulletin for prayer, uh, but we know that there are needs all around us. There are needs and there are things that we can rejoice with uh, and about. So we uh, just want to spend a bit of time in prayer and just an encouragement that um, after the service, there will be somebody available if you have specific things that you want prayer for. Uh, we really do invite you to take advantage of those opportunities uh, and encourage you to reach out throughout the week um, if there is something that you would just like uh, like to talk about or to, to be prayed together with. So let's just uh, close our eyes, join, unite our hearts in prayer. And God, we just want to come before you this morning. We thank you uh, for the, the season that we just experienced, God. And it was a beautiful season, a wonderful season filled with joy for many of us, and we thank you for that. And yet, God, we know that there are people that are hurting all around us, and God, we just pray that you would minister to the hearts of those that are that are grieving, that are hurting, that are sick. Um, so, Lord, we just want to, in, we want to remember those people, and we want to reach out and, and uh, bring them before you, God. Uh, Lord, as we look into a new year, we just want to pray for the various ministries in our area uh, YFC uh, with Tyson and Cassie and Valley View Bible Camp and Circle Square Camp and, and others, other organizations that are doing uh, such a wonderful job of reaching out and, and touching people's lives. So God, we just pray that you would give uh, much joy in their ministries. We pray that you would give them much wisdom and discernment. And Lord, we pray that you would bring um, opportunities to, to share um, what they're doing and and to share with uh, other people the vision that they have for their ministries. And God, we pray that you would bring people alongside them that would, um, volunteers that would help, that would be a part of that ministry. So we just pray, Lord, for each one of those ministries. We pray that through them, many people would, uh, would hear about you, some for the first time, some that may have heard and not understood. God, we just pray that you would, um, yeah, that you would do a wonderful work through those ministries. And God, we just pray for the church going forward throughout this uh, next year that you would just 
strengthen the church, strengthen our family ties here, but also strengthen our uh, knowledge and, and commitment to you, God. So for the rest of the service, we just uh, uh, pray that you would speak through Tyson as he, as he comes up to share what you have laid on his heart, God. We just pray that you would give power to his words uh, and that uh, it would be a, a real blessing to you and to, to us. Amen. So I just want to call Tyson up. He's no stranger to anybody here, I don't think, but uh, we just pray God, or pray Tyson, that God speaks through you. And children's church are dismissed, so you can follow Christine to the back. All right. This on? Awesome. Sweet. Just give me one second here. I'll get my notes out. It's good morning, everybody. It's good to be back with you guys uh, again this morning. Uh, it's been a while since I've, uh, since I've spoke here. I was trying to remember the last time I was here speaking, and I, uh, I can't remember the exact dates. It was, it's been a while, so uh, it's good to be back with you guys uh, this morning, and so I want to thank you guys for uh, inviting me back, uh, although I realize not a lot of you uh, had much choice in that, so um, thanks for not running away at least as soon as I walk up, so thanks for at least waiting for a few minutes. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so thank you for the worship team for, for leading us in those songs, and I just want to echo those, those prayers that were mentioned this morning, and, and just that invitation of just, Lord Jesus, come, and uh, I just, uh, that's my prayer, is that the Lord would just come and just fill this time, that it wouldn't be about uh, YFC, it wouldn't be about me, it wouldn't be about us, it would just all be all about be all about Jesus. So, um, yeah, that's my prayer this morning, and and that yeah, that that he would just get much praise uh, during this time. So, um, yeah, so I uh, I couldn't think of a, a better way to to start off this morning than to uh, to give you guys a quick update about uh, <clears throat> YFC McGregor, and and uh, as we look back on on this past year, is it's kind of that that time of the year where uh, where we often look back. On, uh, on the past year, and, and uh, yeah, for, for good or for bad, uh, and kind <clears> of <throat> how to look forward, and, and so, um, yeah, 2023, God has been so faithful to, to the hub, and, and uh, yeah, the school year looked a lot like uh, a typical school year for me, a lot of time hanging out in the high school, uh, in the cafeteria, in the gyms, going outside, uh, going for walks with youth, um, taking them out for lunch, um, there's lots of opportunities in the high school, and I was just blessed to be a part of, of uh, some of them. And it was just awesome to get plugged into so many different areas, whether that's joining an intramurals team, sitting down, introducing myself to the new kid, or uh, joining the board games club there. Um, I was just thankful for the opportunities that I had to, to be a part there. Um, <clears throat> another part of, uh, of the, the school ministry that uh, I was able to, to be a part of was, was basketball. Uh, I was able to coach the JV team and uh, try to keep Josh in line over there. Um, he's a, yeah, quite the troublemaker over there, so uh, watch out for him. But uh, it's been fun uh, just being able to, to connect with the guys in that way. And as they're forced to spend a lot of time to me and with me, and uh, yeah, they listen really well. So that's, uh, that's always fun. Uh, so yeah, so I'm super excited for, for this year. and. And uh, we got an awesome group of guys, and just getting to hang out with them uh, a lot more. I'm 
uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, another thing that I've been a part of or uh, I've done was uh, I got to, to run our first elementary school gym blast that we've done in, that we, yeah, that we've, first one that we've done in years there. And so that was really cool just to be able to be invited into the school. And uh, a cool addition to that was uh, the principal was very adamant that uh, he wanted it to be more than just a gym blast and just a fun afternoon for kids. And he was, he was, he was very adamant that he wanted it to be something deeper. And, uh, and so to, to take advantage of the, the kids' attention and to pour into them. And so I was able to give a talk on mental health and the importance of supporting each other to, uh, <clears throat> to around half the school. Uh, and this was kind of challenging for me because I find it's really hard to talk about positive mental health without bringing Jesus into it because I think they just go so hand in hand. Uh, but I guess it was really well received as they asked me to run one for Austin the following week. So that was, that was really cool. Uh, another one of my, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the biggest uh, time-consuming events that I ran was uh, Junior Drop-In. And uh, this program has grown like crazy. Uh, as about two summers ago, we had two kids uh, that led into the school year of about five kids. And uh, since then, we've grown it. Uh, and we get about 20 to 30 kids every week um, and upwards of 40 kids some weeks. And, uh, and it's a blast. And in all the craziness, um, yeah, we run all types of games and do all types of fun things, but we always end in, in God talks. And that's, that's one of my favorite times, and that's one of the, the reason why I, uh, I do what I do and, and give up my afternoons uh, to uh, chase around a bunch of screaming kids uh, is God talk. As about two-thirds of our kids uh, don't regularly attend church, and uh, so it's just an awesome opportunity to, to be able to just share God's love with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's fun. And the kids love it so much. Uh, so much so that the, the last day of school um, before the summer break was on a junior drop-in day. And I thought I got the vibe from the kids that they wanted to go and celebrate with their friends at home or with their, with their family. Um, and so I was okay with that. And I... Uh, so I figured we'd just do our wind-up the week before. And so when I told the kids that um, before, before the event, I told them that our wind-up would be this day, and uh, all the kids jumped up and started protesting to push it back. And so fearing the mob of about 30 grade 5 to 8s, I was left no choice but to push back our drop-in day to the last day of school because that's how they wanted to end off the school year. That's how they wanted to, to celebrate was with us. That was really cool. Uh, so fast forward uh, to the summer. Uh, I just want to quickly fly through this as, uh, as, yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, I was only given two hours to do so, so um, we'll uh, just rapid fire here. Uh, summer was awesome. We had a ton of kids uh, show up from, <clears throat> from different events, from fishing trips to campouts to slip and slides to beach days to movie days, uh, all types of stuff. Um, and it was, it was really awesome. It was good building blocks for the future, for um, other summer stuff. Uh, I was able to spend a lot of time at Valley View uh, and got to connect with the kids there uh, and the staff. Um, got to uh, run different events. Um, got to speak at SDP and LDP. Um, yeah, just a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, I do have a, a little quick video that I'll, that I'll share. 
Uh, some of you guys may have seen it. It was posted online. There was a, a portion of it that was played at our banquet, but uh, it just does a really good job of, of summarizing, kind of just giving you guys a, a picture of what our summer looked like at YFC. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully it plays right now. Yeah, some of those kids, they got a lot more, uh, I don't know what you call it, dizzy tolerance than I do in those uh, sword balls there. They're crazy. But um, anyways, I just want to, one of the things I really want to talk about this morning is, is kind of about the future of YFC and, and kind of some of the stuff going on. And, and uh, yeah, I do see by your guys' bullets and you guys, you guys have uh, got a lot going on as well. And, and it's really cool seeing you guys, um, your church, be involved in the community uh, and, and offer things um, to, to them and, and just being able to just actively live out your faith. I think that's really cool. And, and uh, yeah, I just want to present with you guys a, a, another way um, if you guys are looking for, for a way to, to serve the community and, and, and help out in that way. And, um, and uh, yeah, and that's with, with YFC. Um, because YFC, it is, it is growing. And uh, our high school drop-in, our numbers have doubled since last year. And, um, and with that, we're looking for a couple others to, to help out in those programs uh, every Tuesday night as it, as it continues to grow and as we build that uh, and, and build it further. Uh, our junior drop-in, our, our, <clears throat> uh, our numbers are, are growing as well. And, and we have 25 to 30 kids on average every week from grades five to eight. And, and with no advertising, they just keep coming week after week after week. Um, yeah, uh, I think of back to September when uh, I, was, I was telling all the kids, I was like, the first day of school is on a junior drop-in day. So I was like, you know what, we'll just, we'll start junior drop-in the following week. Um, and so I was telling all the kids that. So I was sitting there working in my office that Thursday after school and uh, all of a sudden I see one kid run up to the door and the door was locked but uh, I see them pulling and all of a sudden I see another one and another one and another one and I'm like oh boy and we, we had 15 or so kids show up and, um, for, for that first day where there was no junior drop in and we ended up running something and just, we just can't keep them away which is so exciting to see. Um, but yeah, with that, an ideal number for us would be about 20 kids at a drop-in. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to our space, but we don't have the biggest space in the world. Um, and uh, so an ideal number would be about 20. Uh, and so with that, uh, we would love to, my, my dream would be able to split the drop-in into two nights uh, and do a 5-6 one day and 7-8 and uh, another. And, um, but with that, we need volunteers and... and uh, um, yeah, plus the, the more volunteers or staff that we have, the more opportunities there are to have meaningful conversations with kids instead of just surviving the chaos. Uh, and so if you're looking for a place to help out uh, in, in those regards, just please let me know or, or come talk to me afterwards. And, um, or if you're just curious about checking it out, it's not like you're signing up for a five-year commitment uh, every week for, for an entire uh, term. It's... Um, yeah, so if you're just interested, let me know. Um, another way that, uh, um, that there is to, uh, or a, a way to, to help out uh, would be through, through cleaning. Um, it's uh, more of a practical uh, a way, but 
Um, we're getting more and more people from the community using our space. Uh, and with more kids coming every week, the place gets really messy really fast. Uh, and this takes a lot of time uh, out, of, out of my week as it's a goal of mine is to, to offer the best space possible for, for every program, for every rental. Uh, and so, um, yeah, offering them a, a clean space. Uh, but with that, that means there's a lot of time sweeping and a lot of time mopping for me. So uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to keep up sometimes with the, with the cleaning schedule um, without sacrificing programs. Uh, and so if you guys are interested in cleaning once or twice a month or once every other month, whatever it may be, I'm, I'm putting together a, a schedule for that um, where there is space to, to help out uh, in, in that way. Uh, other ways to get involved as well would be through prayer or financial support. If you guys are looking to support financially, um, if you guys um, are, are blessed in, in that way, feel free to come and talk to me afterwards as that's a, a huge part of, of, of my ministry that I sometimes often uh, neglect or just push aside. And, and so if you guys are uh, able to help out that way, um, feel free to come talk to me afterwards. Um, or if you guys... Uh, are just a prayer warrior and just and want to pray more um, for for the programs. Come and chat with me afterwards. As as uh, yeah, as both are really important uh, and are, are necessities for for what goes on there. Um, and uh, yeah, both couldn't I couldn't do without both of them. Uh, as this is a team event and and uh, I just I really appreciate um, yeah each one. Uh, of you guys and, and each one that, that supports. And, um, yeah, so uh, as well, also I should, uh, the other thing I was going to mention too is, is one of our goals uh, this, this past year for YFC was, was to get more involved in the community. And uh, that looked like uh, running a, a family fun day event um, or a part of the, the carnival we ran activities. And, and that was a very long, exhausting day of of, uh, of running programs for, for different kids and, and getting to connect with them and, and their families and introduce them what YFC is all about and, and what we're doing. And, and it was really cool. And um, another one that we ran was uh, we ran a community youth head night for all those hunters out there, something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, and so it was really cool to see. Uh, we had 30 youth out and, and 18 deer heads uh, show up uh, at the drop-in. And I'm told that's one of the most, one of the more unique programs that YFC has ran across the country, so that's uh, exciting for me. Um, I also was invited onto a round table meeting with many of the humanitarian groups from the community and uh, was able to share with them uh, what YFC has been doing and, and what they're up to, and as many of them didn't know and they were excited to learn, which is really cool. Uh, another one was the Christmas parade, uh, and if you guys missed us, we were the ones uh, dancing and jumping around with a bunch of kids, um, uh, making a fool of myself on, uh, on, a, on a trailer decorated with Christmas lights and a Christmas tree, uh, jumping around to some crazy frog. Um, that was us. Um, yeah, so lots of cool stuff happening in, in our town. Lots of cool stuff happening with YFC, with, with this church, with other churches. And there's just, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. And so, um, yeah. The, the biggest thing I would ask for you guys um, from, for YFC, from a YFC ask would be just for, for prayer, um, just for you guys to remember us in prayer um, as, uh, as our programs grow, as we connect with kids, um, is, is pray. Um, and so, yeah, um, please pray.
God is so good. So, um, alrighty. <clears throat> With that, let's uh, just jump right into our, our text today, uh, which would be Acts chapter 3. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're just going to jump around on this text for a little bit. Um, Acts chapter 3. So today we're going to talk about the five or so men that were involved in this story and look at how each one of them we can learn from and what we can take from them. Uh, and so they are the lame guy. And then there's the men who carried this lame man every day for 40 years to the temple. And then finally, we got Peter and we got John. And so first off, we have this lame man. And this poor guy, he's been stuck for 40 years. And so I just want to give you guys a heads up this morning. is that you guys going to hear me say that word a lot? And that's stuck. It's never getting the joys of running around with friends we're never getting the joys of going out with friends. He was the epitome of being stuck. Stuck in a world that was not suited for people with disabilities. He was stuck. And all because one thing didn't work. We can assume his mind was there, his arms, his, his speech, his dreams, his cognitive abilities. It was one thing that didn't work. That's all it was. And because of this, he was stuck every day where he was for 40 years. Stuck in the same routine day in, day out. Stuck with no hope of ever getting out of the valley or the cycle that he was in. He was in survival mode. He was stuck. This man had to watch every day as people would go into the temple and pray to this God that would allow him to be stuck in the rut that he was in. So he, he was at the temple gate. So there's a chance that Jesus could have walked past him or Peter and John could have at some point in their ministry as well. And now I'm not God and I don't know why God chooses to heal some people and not others. But I do know is that he is still in control and he is still good, even if sometimes it's hard to see, especially when a loved one is suffering or is stuck. And there's a lot of trash that happens in this world today because of the corruption of sin into it. And sometimes it's hard to see God at work in our mess. But so often when we're on the other side of the valley, we can see the footprints of God walking right beside us as we navigate that valley. But it's hard to see when we're in the thick of it. And it's hard to see when we're in the mess until we're on the other side. And so my prayer for you guys is that if you are stuck at this point in the story, if you're stuck with, with how could God do that to him or how could God do that to me, how could God do this or, or how, if we're stuck in, with that, whatever it may be, that you guys would just take a moment, you guys would look back and you guys would see the footprints of God walking beside you guys through the valley. I think of that famous passage in Psalm 23 where it says, You lead me beside peaceful, you lead me beside peaceful waters. You replenish my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That you would allow God to lead you beside peaceful waters. And so a question for you guys is that. In a mountain range, where are the streams 
and the waters. They're in the valleys. So take heart that, that just as, as, as God led David beside these, these peaceful waters, these, these quiet streams, as David walked through this valley, as death literally loomed over him, God was there and God is there. And I can list so many different scenarios in my life where God had met me in my mess. But I was just so, so often I was too angry or, or, just, or blinded and I, I didn't see any good. And it just took me of long enough of sitting in that mess or getting to the other side to see how God was right there. I think of one time <clears throat> um, that, uh, that God met me in my mess and it was when I, when I hurt my knee and I was sidelined from sports for a year and a half. And I had many very angry conversations with God of, as, I, as I wrestled through this time of, of how could God do this to me? How could God take sports away from me? Sports had become a safety blanket for me, something that I could fall back to, to to make friends or fit in or find my place in a new group. So when I started Bible school, I was all excited to join the sports culture there. But I had to sit watching everyone else go and live the Bible school experience that I thought that I needed. I was stuck. Tyson, the athlete, did not exist. And that led me to so much soul searching that year. And a lot of time sitting in contemplation. And it took about midway through, through the school year when we're, when we're going to have this speaker come in and speak to our class. Uh, and he had this super cool ministry of, of healing. He would go around to Polo Park and he would pray for lots of people. Uh, and he saw many miraculous healings from that. And so... I knew this day was coming and I was excited because I knew full well that he was going to ask the group if there's anybody that he could pray for and everyone would point to me. And I thought, this is my break. But as the day drew closer, I was, the day before he was coming, I was sitting there in my dorm room overlooking a game of soccer, wishing so badly I could go out and join until God met me in my mess right there. I realized that I was talking to the almighty creator, whereas before I would have been out there on the field. God opened my eyes to how much I had grown during that season. I grew more than than I ever would have if I would have had sports to distract me, or if I would have had sports to fall back onto. I spent more time with God than I ever had previous up to that point. And God met me in my mess, and it was beautiful. And so now I had a dilemma. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be healed, because I was so scared that I would go back to who I was before, and I'd forget everything I'd just learned, and I'd go back to my old self, that I'd go back to playing sports for Jesus, in place of Jesus, in my life. I'd finally met God in my mess, and it was more beautiful than anything sports could offer me. I found that peaceful stream in that valley, and it was beautiful. So long story short, this this guy comes, and he does his talk to our group, and he asks that question that I was dreading, and he says, can I pray for anyone? Which is kind of a weird question to dread. 
But everyone points to me, and he starts walking up to me, and my mind is racing. And so I silently begin to pray, Lord, I ain't ready yet. Please don't heal my knee. I don't want to go back. And this poor guy, he, uh, I kind of laugh about it now to myself, but this poor guy, he, has, he just did this talk of healing, and he's like, he has my hand, his hand on my knee, and everyone's standing over his shoulder, watching with expectation, waiting and hoping to see this, this, this healing. And this guy, this poor guy, he's, he's praying for the only one in the room that doesn't want to see anything happen. And thankfully, God, God didn't heal my knee, and he waited for a month or so, and, and I'm back to playing sports, and it's awesome. But um, when I was in the thick of it, God was there. I was just too short-sighted to see it. And I don't believe that God broke my knee, but I do believe that he simply met me in my mess. <clears throat> so anyways, back to this lame man who has dealt a far worse hand than just a year and a half old limp. He was stuck in his mess for a really, really long time. And so it shouldn't be any surprise to us is when he wouldn't be expecting anything greater than just money. After all, I'm, I'm sure he's heard about Peter, some big shot leader in this new movement that's sweeping across the, the town. And he's probably thinking to himself, Peter's got a lot of coin. But this guy was stuck. He was stuck with no way of getting out of this rut until. He was stuck in this valley with no hope of ever getting out to the other side until. Until some man comes and boldly declares healing through the mighty power of the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. He was stuck until one day he encountered the name of Jesus. <clears throat> After 40 years of being stuck, it took one day. It took one moment. It took one encounter to transform this man's life. And that is the, na- that is the power of the name of Jesus. That is the amazing, wonder-working power of the name of the Lamb. And so don't let that just become a song lyric. There is power in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. And this man, he leapt to his feet and he began to move. A man once stuck for 40 years now just can't help but leap for joy jumping and praising God. And there's just something special about being in the presence of God that just makes us want to move. Our hearts just filled with joy. I'm reminded of that time when John the Baptist first met Jesus back in Luke 1.41. It was nothing that, nothing that Jesus said. It was nothing that Jesus did that made John leap in his mother's womb. It was simply the fact that he was in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I love how I love how Peter he made sure everyone knew who did this miracle. It was Jesus the Nazarene. So when people would, would come and they would ask, by whose power? Who did this miracle? 
Everyone could point to that it was Jesus. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. Everyone can testify it was Jesus. So when the religious leaders came and asked, and they did a few verses later, they could say it was Jesus the Nazarene. So when they think, what good can come from Nazareth, that small town that's just off the main highway in between two major cities, what good can come from that town? It was Jesus the Nazarene. But I think one of the most amazing parts of this whole story happens just a few verses later in chapter 4, verses 3. And it's 5,000 people surrendered their lives to the name of Jesus that day. Can you guys imagine if all of McGregor and Austin surrendered their lives because of one testimony? And I want to encourage you guys with this morning is that your testimony has power when it is all about Jesus. When I share my story and it is all about me, there is no power there because the world doesn't need more of Tyson. When it is all about the work of God in your life, there is power there and that's what the world needs to hear more of. And that is what can change a life. Because each one of you guys is, each one of you has a story of God at work in your life. And I want to encourage you guys with is to share that. Your testimony highlighting Jesus has the power to change hearts. And so too often we think, I don't have an exciting testimony. I don't have this, I was crippled for 40 years experience or I was on drugs or some big shot gangster or whatever it was. I don't have an exciting testimony. I'm not interesting at all. I didn't have this rebellious stage. And that is a lie. Because anytime a soul comes to follow God, it is a beautiful thing. Me personally, I can relate more to the stories of I went to church my whole life. I struggled for a bit as I figured out my faith from my parents. And now I'm here. Because that's my story. So don't downplay the impact that your journey can have on others. Don't downplay the work that Jesus uh, has done in your life. Your testimony has power. And it can point, when it points others to Jesus, it can change lives. So, <clears throat> anyways, moving on to the next group of people in this story. So I want to jump to another group mentioned in this passage, and that is the men that carried this lame man every day to the same spot for 40 years. And I never actually really even considered these men a part of this story until I was doing some research and, and looking into this stuff, and I came across this one pastor who, who mentioned it and, and brought them up. And so this angle, I can't actually, I can't take credit for. I just came across it as I was studying for this, this, this passage. And uh, I just want to emphasize that this is an interpretation, and it's it's more like reading in between the lines. But I do think that this has, this has some really good stuff in it, and we can learn from it. So, these men, they dropped him off every day for 40 years. Why? Do you think it was out of the goodness of their hearts? I don't know. It could have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. It could have been at the start. But for 40 years, 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 years
for 40 years. That's a long time. I wonder how my recruitment for YFC volunteers would be if I'm looking for hard-working individuals to serve at YFC twice a day, every day, for 40 years. If anyone is interested, come talk to me after. Um, if I were these men, eventually I would start expecting a cut. After all, I'm giving up a lot to be there. This is twice a day. I would start expecting a cut of the money. And it would only kind of seem fair to me. Besides, what's the beggar going to go do? He's going to go and ask someone else to, to serve him for 40 years? After a time, I would imagine it would just be expected. I'd drop him off, and I'd come back at the end of the day. I'd take my cut, and I'd bring him home. And suddenly, I'd become a part of that system that is designed to keep him stuck. My livelihood depends on this man staying stuck. And after a while of me depending on this man, Staying stuck, I don't even think I would want him to be healed. Because I'm benefiting from his stuckness. And this, as a pastor described it, creates a cycle of stuckness. So often we are stuck. When we're stuck, we're stuck in a system, a routine that just perpetuates the cycle. Often when we're stuck, we're going to have things or people in our lives that want to keep us there and will continually bring us down. This is the time of year where, where so many people often try to break free of, of whatever it may be in, in New Year's resolutions, and, and you, hear, you hear that word a lot during this time. But they say 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. Why? Because it's hard. <laughs> There's so many things that are pulling us down. It is hard to get out of a rut. That's why it's called a rut. It's hard. And we have so many things that are pulling us down. So when we have people like a Peter and a John come up to us and are offering that hand up out of the rut that we've fallen into, there's going to be so many things pulling us back down to where we were. And that's basic elementary school science. That's Noon's Law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if you're stuck where you are, do a quick self-evaluation and see if there's anything holding you back to stepping into who God has called you to be. Whether that's a toxic relationship or an unhealthy job or something as simple as a data plan on your phone, what is keeping you stuck? The flip side to this is, are we keeping anyone stuck? Are we holding on to resentment, hoping that they don't get better? Or that they don't deserve to get better because they did this or they did that, whatever it may be. Or they're a terrible person. Or someone that annoys us and we just can't wait to see them fail. Whatever it may be. Or we're secretly hoping that someone else stays more stuck than we are because as long as they're more stuck, I don't feel so bad. Are we contributing to a cycle of stuckness? My prayer is that we'd be the Peters and Johns in this story, 
reaching out, offering that hand up out of the rut that people have fallen into. Because this lame man, he was stuck. He would get picked up, he would go make some money, he would give them their cut, and he would go home. He would get picked up, he would go make some money, he would give them their cut, and he would go home every day for 40 years. That's what his survival was. And at this point, he could probably do it in his sleep. It'd be almost robotic. It's just what he does. So many of us, I'm sure we can relate to this lame man at this point. If you're stuck just going through the motions, the joy is sucked out of it, and you don't, you just, you're just going through the actions. And you read verses like Romans 15 where it talks about now the God of hope filled you with joy. And you're like, God, what joy? I want you guys to know is that you guys were not created to be stuck. Does anybody know what the first word of the Great Commission is? It's go. Move. It's, it's, it's not stay stuck. It's go. We were created to move. We weren't created to be stuck. There is a place to be, there's a time and a place to be still and know. But Christianity, it's about a journey that draws us closer and closer to Christ. It's a journey about moving forward. It's a race that we're called to run with perseverance. So if you're stuck, if you get up, you go to work, you make some money, you pay their cut, you go home. You go to work, or you get up, you go to work, you pay their cut, and you go home. Or maybe it's you go to church, you shake some hands, you sit in a pew, you sing some songs, you go home. Next week, you get up, you go to church, you shake some hands, you sing some songs, you sit in a pew, you go home. If that is what life is, if that's what Christianity is, you are stuck. And I want to declare through the power of Jesus Christ the Nazarene to get up and walk. Stand up with joy and praise the Father with the joy that he has promised. Like I mentioned earlier, for 40 years, of being stuck in a dark valley, of being stagnant, can all be erased with one encounter with Jesus Christ the Nazarene. So stand up and move. So finally, we got Peter and we got John in this story. And I find it fascinating that we have Peter and John together. Because I don't know, I haven't mentioned this yet, but this is the first miracle recorded after Pentecost. And so this is a big deal, and I think, I think it should be, we should take notice of it. And so here we have Peter and John, two completely opposite disciples. From what I can gather in scripture, I feel like they're one of the most opposite disciples you can get. And I've worked with some Peters, and I've worked with some Johns, and they often butt heads. 
And I've probably been the cause of some of that. But they're two very opposite people. One is old and married. The other is regarded as the youngest disciple. One is bold and he speaks his mind. While the other is more reserved. Like when he pulled Jesus aside from the group. And he said, can I sit at your right hand? Peter would have just said that in front of everybody. John pulled him aside and, and quietly spoke. One is bold. One is loving and is regarded as the one Jesus loved. One has a big mouth. One has a big heart. One is full of courage, while the other is full of compassion. John, the one Jesus loved, was known for spending time with Jesus. When Jesus was taken, when he was arrested, he followed him from afar, from a distance, whereas Peter was right up close. John would sit at Jesus' feet. Peter is the guy that cut the guy's ear off when he came to mess with Jesus. Now I was thinking about that, and I'm like, was he really aiming for his ear? Because that would be impressive if he was. Peter, he's the ride or die guy. John is, is more from, kind of followed from afar, kind of um, more just love, not as bold. Peter was just, he will say whatever's on his mind, and you see that right through scripture. And sometimes that works out in his favor, and sometimes that doesn't. We have two very opposite individuals. I do think it's really cool that I want to point out too is that, so Peter and John, they just get their marching orders in Acts 1, 4 to 8. And one of the very next things you see them doing is you see them going to pray. And I think it's really powerful is when, when, we, when we hear of what they're, what they're doing once they get their marching orders, is they're going to pray. And so when you don't know what to do, when you don't know exactly what your next steps are, go and pray. And it's amazing how many times of when we're in the place that God wants us to be, how many times God shows up in unexpected ways and cool things happen and he gets praised. So whenever you're unsure of your next step, pray. So here we have Peter and John walking together, two opposites heading into prayer to discern their next steps. We have a lover and a fighter until they encounter this lame man. And I remember once <clears throat> I heard a pastor phrase it like this, and I think it's really profound, and he said, what if it was the love of John that noticed the man, but it was the boldness of Peter to declare healing? The compassion of John that saw this, this man stuck in a rut. But it was the courage of Peter to step up in front of everybody and declare the healing name of Jesus. And I think it's a powerful reminder of what the church is called to be. It's two people with two different giftings serving one God. Where two or more are gathered, Christ is there and shows up in, am in amazing ways. In ministry, we need Peter's and John's. Both are good in ministry. And, and I think it also it is important to recognize the faults of, of, of both of them. Peter's. Peter, words have power. Um, actions have power. How we portray ourselves has power. 
And, uh, and if we're not careful, sometimes we can say things or do things in the name of Jesus that is not a part of his will, and it can be harmful. Because we can, we, can we can say the truth, but we can still be mindful that this is a person that we're talking to. John, sometimes it is so concerned about loving others that it makes it hard to tell them the hard truth. That can be tough to hear. And for the sake of the relationship, we tend to, to hold back some of that tough truth for fear of rejection. Peter, he don't care. He'll say it. Whereas John has a hard time saying it. I have many examples of where I've messed up in ministry over the last 10 years at YFC. And I've had to repent of that. But I think that's the, the cool thing about God's plan is that in his graciousness, he teaches me and allows me to move forward. And that's, that's about that journey part, about learning from that and moving forward. And we can't just say, oh, well, they'll just have to suck it up because that's just who I am. It's about constantly staying true to the word, being bold and loving, and bringing the name of Jesus to a world that needs to hear it and learning from each experience and moving forward. Learning from the Peters and the Johns. So the harvest field is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest field needs Peters and needs Johns. They don't just need a bunch more Tysons or Pastor Russells or, or whoever. The world is desperate to hear the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus the Nazarene. And so I ask you guys today is, is if you guys would consider partnering with me in the harvest fields of McGregor, in prayer or in service, in YFC or in Valley View, in the school or in Kids Connect, in this church or wherever, because we're all on the same team. The harvest field is plentiful. So let's just let's bring it home now and do a quick recap here. So if you guys are stuck, I want to pray Hebrews 12 over you guys. And it's therefore, since we've been surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and gets us stuck. And let us run. Let us move. Let us go with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy, the joy set before him endured the cross. Remember that your story has power. Your testimony has power to point others to Jesus. Use it. Glorify Jesus by your beautiful story, your journey that God has brought you on. And if anyone is wanting to share their story to a bunch of crazy, energetic kids one Thursday, come let me know. The fact that you guys are here this morning lets me know that God has a story in you. Whether this is your first time in church or whether you've been here for 40 years, and that story is worth telling. Be the Peters and Johns in this story that are offering a hand up out of the rut 
that people have fallen into instead of contributing to someone else's stuckness. And be unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we bring the name of Jesus to McGregor. And finally, go. The harvest field is plentiful. And be filled with the joy that comes with the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Thanks. Feel free to stand with us as we sing our last song. Thanks again, Tyson, for sharing. Uh, yeah, for a benediction, I think it's really fitting to just kind of echo what Tyson ended with um, from Hebrews 12. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let us go and run and break free of the ruts we're in. week.